Welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast. We are here to root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. My name is Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota. And today I am joined by my colleague, Pastor Mike Toomey. Mike, good to have you on today. I am delighted to be here. This is a good day. Yeah, it's a great day. Today we're going to continue our exploration of the Gospel of Mark, this Gospel that moves at this really fast clip. We're moving our way mm-hmm. through it, and we're going to be probably through it pretty soon. Uh, but keep keep with us each week as we discover new stories and, and we follow Jesus in his ministry Today we're going to go to a place that's kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is going to go to a strange place to, to confront uh, a, a spirit, a demon. Mike, have you ever been to a strange place? Yes, I, yes, I have. And I, I don't want to upset all of our Quebecer listeners here. Um, <clears throat> Quebec is a strange yeah, I've heard it's a beautiful place. It is gorgeous. I've never been there. It is delightful. Um, the only reason why I'm going to say it was strange is probably because I was strange to them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quebec, they speak French. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm. And um, when we were in the cities, um, most of the people were, or we found enough people who could, who were fluent in both English and, and French. So we weren't terribly lost, but we got into the backwoods. We got into some places in Quebec where, um, <clears throat> People knew English, mm-hmm. but their English, they learned English when they were young mm-hmm. and they didn't use it on an everyday basis or even a frequent basis. And so oftentimes we had to communicate with sign language and all sorts of things. Um, sure. um, and, and so I think that was one of the things is just, there was this language difference and it, wow, I felt strange, um, even though it was an absolutely beautiful place to be. I encourage a lot of people to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, do I have an answer to that question? Um, and when I think of strange, I think of a place that like maybe inspires fear and that's probably not what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, cause Jesus is going to go to a place that, that inspires fear for people. Um, we'll see that probably he's not scared. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was thinking of this one time, my wife and I, we went to the Boundary Waters and we had paddled all day and f- we had picked out on a map this perfect campsite and it was the perfect yeah. spot. We got to the site and we walked up to it. <laughs> it the, the sun was going down and we're like, oh, it'll be perfect. We'll just have time to set up camp. And in the, in the fire pit, there was mm-hmm. a note yeah. and it said, don't stay here bear in the vicinity, <laughs> not afraid of people, frequent, <laughs> frequent visits, no fear. And so both of us are like, yeah, we're getting out of here. And what was strange to you and scary to you, I would love, yeah, you, y- yeah. would you show me that campsite? <laughs> yeah, <right. clears throat> I'm sure, I'm sure I have it circled on the map. I was just at the point where I'm just like, you know, I don't really want to have a bear visiting me tonight. It is never fun to have a bear visit you at night when you don't want to have a bear visit you at night. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we ran from that place. Okay. Good Good idea. Well, actually, we paddled. You we paddled. Couldn't, we couldn't, <clears> couldn't run. run anywhere couldn't there. No. Run. No. Whatever the equivalent of, of running with a paddle, yeah, we ran. You, your, your canoe was on plane is what yes. you're telling me. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> and we did find another campsite. And we made it, obviously, because I'm here now. So <laughs> that's good. We're going to read from the fifth chapter of Mark. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. And we begin. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came out to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. So Mike, when you hear this story, when we read it, what sticks out to you and what questions bubble up for you? Oh, what sticks out? 2,000 pigs jump off a cliff. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that's one of those things that really jumps out at me. Um, I think the older I get, I think the more compassion I have for this demon-possessed man. Mm -hmm. uh, when I read how um, people were trying to care for him or restrain him, Man, what a terrible life this guy must have had. Yeah. Being chained up. Um, yeah. He's living in the graveyard. All sorts of things are just, it's tragic. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that's another thing that jumps out at me. Um, 
Um, I just I'll stop there for a second, mm-hmm. and, and I just think about the chains. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they tried to chain him. He would break the chains. Mm-hmm. And I think about this question of who who truly breaks the chains in this story. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not talking about the actual chains. I'm talking about the spiritual chains yep. that Jesus releases him from. And so there's there's that layer of this. Yeah. As much as he tries to get freedom by breaking chains, it's Jesus who gives him freedom mm-hmm. by casting out the demons. Yeah. Yeah. Getting to the root of, of the problem. And I, you know, another thing that I think is helpful when we're reading scripture is to look at who's talking and who's saying what. Yes. And it's interesting here. Um, Jesus is talking. The man talks. But also the demons are speaking for the man. Yeah. Uh, so there's this sort of like who who's actually speaking here, and as you read through it, it it gets a little confusing. I think. Yeah. Uh, the the demon or demons whose name is Legion, right? A legion is a a lot of demons. Yeah. Right. It, it just it, it speaks here. Um, what did that sound like? Yeah. I think a lot I, of that I don't want to know the answer to. Yeah. A lot of movie directors have had a lot of fun with that yeah. and what that has sounded like. Um, it must have been terribly eerie, terribly fearsome. Um, I think another word that jumps out at me here um, is in verse 15. They were afraid, right? They, they see the man healed and they were afraid. And what does that mean? And I, I think I'd like to dive into that mm-hmm. in, when we kind of come back to that. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that very much jumps out at me. Yeah, let's start to maybe pick this apart a little bit. So Jesus is... He's traveling around. He's healing people. He's telling these parables. We've gone mm-hmm. through some of that. Yep. Uh, and and then we get to this point where they they went across a lake. They go across a lake. Um, so we start off with the word uh, they went across a lake. So who are they? It's Jesus and his disciples. How did they get there? They were in a boat. I was listening to one of um, another pastor, a, a professor. I believe this was a past president of Luther Seminary, mm-hmm. and he loved to call this. A youth trip. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So likely most of Jesus' disciples are teenage boys, um, uh, with the exception of Peter, who's probably a young man. And so he's there with a bunch of young dudes, young bucks. And what did they go? They go on a youth trip. And the first thing that happens when they go on the youth trip is the the boat breaks down, right? They, They run into a storm. Um, and you, you, and pastor Kevin read that last week. Um, and so we, we come into this, uh, Jesus calms a storm and right about the time they calm the storm. Now we're moving on very quickly onto the next thing. The boat lands. Now they are in a strange country. Yeah. They've crossed over to somewhere else. And they, they've gone from what they know in a very, um, Jewish place. Now they're in a place called the Decapolis. Um, they're on the other side of the lake. The Decapolis is basically 10 different cities. It's a region. Um, today it's part of Israel, it's part of Syria and, um, Jordan. Hmm. So we're kind of in this particular area and most of the people here are Greek. Mm -hmm. So it's strange to them. It's Mm -hmm. not their norm of what they're dealing. And what is the first thing that happens when, when they end up in, they're now in a strange, they're, they're sopping wet from... (laughs) <laughs> from the storm, uh, they they land, and the first thing that happens is they they they're in a strange land. They meet a strange person, yeah, um, 
And now we have this man with an impure spirit. Your Bible, your text, you're using an NIV as well. Uh, mine is a slightly different translation in the NIV, and it says impure spirit. Um, six of one, half a dozen of the other, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, <clears throat> but uh, here's a man with an impure spirit. He came from the tombs to meet them. Um, and this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Tragic mm-hmm. life. Literally lives in a place of death. Yes. He is living with the dead, um, chained up. Um, everything you read here, you should, I think, having compassion um, on, a, on this man is necessary. In fact, maybe the word that we're going to use later is mercy. Hmm. How do you show this guy mercy? <clears throat> Um, and so for often he had been chained hand and foot and he was able to break the irons on his feet. Um, you know, that, that had to be a terribly painful process as he beat those, beat the shackles off, off, off of his ankles and whatnot. No one was strong enough to subdue him night and day among the tombs and in the hills. He would cry out and cut himself with stones. Uh, think about that terrible howling that would come from the graveyard. Yeah. Um, so everybody in town knows who this guy is. Oh, absolutely. He's the, he's the one they whisper about. He's the mm-hmm. one they they tell their children to, to run away from. He is completely isolated. He is completely alone. He is completely in this place of solitude, not in a good way, uh, and in a place of death. And he, he's howling, and he's hurting himself, and it's yeah. just a miserable existence. Yes, miserable existence. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? This should jump out at us too. Here a man with an impure spirit once more is able to clearly see who Jesus is. I think you talked about this with another miracle that happens in Mark's gospel earlier. Where it is very clearly that many people know who Jesus is. And, and here's the evil spirit who clearly defines who Jesus is. He knows who he is. In the name, in God's name, don't torture me. That's interesting. Yeah. For Jesus said to him, come out of you, come out of this man, you impure spirit. And then Jesus asked him, what is your name? So when Jesus gets the name of the of the demon or the legion, the many, many demons that are there. Um, My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again uh, not to send him out of the area. And so Jesus actually complies with this in a way. He kind of grants the, the demon's wish and yet doesn't. <laughs> Um, it's kind of like, don't kill us. You know, we know you're going to heal this man, but don't kill us. Um, so Jesus is like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll send you out. And, and what does Jesus do? He sends the, the legion into the herd of pigs. The legion of demons goes into a legion of pigs. And 2,000 pigs go hurtling themselves off of the lake, the, 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 the cliff of the bank and into the, into the lake and they die and they drown. I wonder how much of the local economy did Jesus just really mess up? Sure. 
Yeah. I mean, if you heard about a barn fire of 2,000 pigs being destroyed, that's a major loss. That'd for, be on the news. It would be on the news. And this makes the news. The, the pig herders are around, and they're like, oh, we got to tell somebody this just happened. So they run off into the villages. They go tell everybody. Um, <clears throat> and now they're coming back. Um, That's interesting. I'll stop there for just a second. Verse 17, it says, then people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Yeah. Uh, and I, when I first read that, I thought, well, why would, you know, why would they want Jesus to leave? He's healed this man. But you bring that up. They're it, terrified about what he's going to do next. 2,000 pigs. I yeah. mean, I mean, a, a pig today, you know, to a farmer, I, I, I don't even know the current cost of a pig. The last time I, I've bought pigs um, from, directly from the farmers before, and I bought them at a very cheap rate. Um, 200 bucks per pig would be a cheap rate for, for a farmer. Um, so we're talking, what, 300 bucks per pig um, in today's value. Um, <clears throat> and that might be a little on the high side for a farmer, but you do 300 times three, three th- by, by 2,000, we're talking an awful lot of money has just gone, yeah. r- literally just been wasted. Yeah. Not only has you lo- you've lost all that, but you've lost your breeding stock. You've lost your future as well. This is why the crowd wants Jesus to leave. Yeah. One of the other things, if we go back just slightly, that I think is important for us to do, when they came. So, again, we're talking about the crowd, um, the people who have just heard the news that um, 2,000 pigs have hurled themselves off, off the cliff. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Mm-hmm. This man's healed. Yeah. And what's their response to that? And they were afraid. A lot of times we talk about that as a, an emotional fear, afraid being an emotional fear, kind of like we're afraid of the dark, fear of the dark thing. The way Mark tends to use this term afraid isn't to deny that necessarily, but it also means you're having an encounter with the divine. You're having an encounter with God. Mm-hmm. So clearly this man has been healed. The legion of demons is defeated. And here is Jesus. We have had an encounter with the divine. And what does that bring across? The overcoming of um, evil demons, the healing of people, um, and God in our presence. Mm. I wonder if it's almost like, you know, I remember being somewhere where I was standing on the edge of a very tall mm-hmm. cliff mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. And you look out and it's this sort of awe and then this gut guttural feeling of this is dangerous. Yes. Or, you know, it's that sort of realization that the world is so much bigger than I am. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they're seeing is that the presence of God is, is so much bigger than I am. Yes. And this is one of those things that's happening within Mark's gospel. So in chapter four, when Jesus calms a storm, what does this mean? That Jesus is the Lord and he has command over the, the waters. He has command over creation. Mm-hmm. That expands the disciples' minds. Now we're going into Gentile territory, uh, Greek territory. Um, Jesus has command over um, the world, the broader world. Um, we also have Jesus showing that he has command over what is evil. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus, he is broadening everybody who sees 
him who God is. It's this awe and majesty that's coming and also a bit of fear. Mm -hmm. And they were afraid. They're having an encounter with the divine. Their minds are being opened up to all sorts of godly possibilities. So the guy wants to go yeah. with Jesus. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I mean, would. this is this is normal. Like, this man just healed me of all sorts of pain and, and frustration. He's brought me from the tombs to being in my right mind. I'm, I'm <laughs> He's wearing his clothes. Um, yeah. Wouldn't you want to go? And and so what is, what happens here is um, he begs to go with Jesus, and Jesus did not let him. Hmm. I think part of our talk has been... Um, I'm trying to remember the term, but the messianic secret, is that what we're, mm -hmm. we've used um, um, prior, yeah. yep. prior here? So Jesus has kind of been this a little secretive about his identity, especially with those that are um, Jewish from his own culture and own people. And so he's been a little um, secretive when it comes to that. Here, it's kind of, in some ways, maybe as Jesus knows he's going back, he doesn't necessarily want the man to come with him. He kind of wants to keep that messianic secret secret for when he's with his own people. But he says something very different than what he says normally or what he has said in the past. Mm -hmm. In the past, he said, go and tell no one to any, uh, don't tell anyone. To which people usually do the opposite. They do the opposite <laughs> of what he does. This time he says, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he wants this man to go into, um, in, back into the Decapolis, these Greek cities, and tell them exactly what the Lord, okay, the word Lord means God, and uh, it's, a it's the Greek word for God. Mm -hmm. um, tell much how, how much the Lord has had mercy on you. And, and I love the response that this guy does what Jesus says. Mm -hmm. and, and the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. They're filled with that awe of what God is up to in this world. You think about that. These are people that worshiped um, um, a multitude of gods, and they're now hearing about the Lord, um, their neighbor's God, the Jewish God, what he has done. And this man clearly identifies the Lord with Jesus. You and I, as we hear this story, we our eyes and our ears and our minds become open to who Jesus is. He's not only the Lord of creation, um, but he has power over evil, and he has the capacity to heal, and he is the Lord of the nations. And there's something amazing about the fact that, you know, Jesus performs this miracle and, and people are scared. Yeah. But then he gives this man a mission to use his own experience to, to tell about what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. And they're amazed. Yes. Hearing from him, they're amazed. So yep. so God is using a person to tell the story, which I think for all of us as hearers should be an inspirational thing to say, yeah, actually my when I give my account of how God has worked in my life, it has mm -hmm. power to yep. amaze and inspire. 
Yes. Yes. If you and I have been healed by Jesus, and I believe I have been, should I not, like this man, go and tell my own people, um, my own country, um, how much the Lord has done for me and how the Lord has had that mercy on me? And when people hear that story, many will be amazed by it. Yeah. yeah. This is encouraging for us to go share our story. It, you know, Jesus has used lots of stories to tell about the kingdom of God. He's talked about seeds in the last uh, our last episode. We talked about seeds a couple times. And I think so many of these stories that we see are just little seeds that get planted. It's almost like the life, the changed life of this man becomes a seed that will grow in this place. And Jesus can leave mm-hmm. knowing that that seed will now grow because of the witness of this person who will tell exactly what Jesus came to tell at the very beginning when Jesus says at the beginning of Mark's gospel, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, he uses that phrase, is near. And this is a sign of that. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. This is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So, you know, I think when we hear this as modern listeners, especially in a world that that is plagued with with issues of mental health and people struggling. Uh, I think it gives us maybe some insights into the life of this man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it also complicates complicates our understanding of him because we might we might be tempted to say we might be tempted, I think, to go down one of two paths. And and the first path would be that's demon possession. That happens somewhere else at some other time that sort of spiritual problem doesn't happen now. And then we might go down the other path, which says this is mental illness. They just didn't understand it back then. And so it would be different now. And I think it, when we take one, you know, when, it, when we try to make things as black and white as that, yeah. we run into problems. We do. I think we miss the nuance of what's going on in the world. And I think one thing, if we dismiss one or the other, we end up in trouble. Um, I want to come at it from a little bit of a, you know, the theological, biblical lens here. Um, we live in a broken world, and that world is broken by sin. Mm-hmm. God has given us wonderful, beautiful minds to understand the human brain and how it works. Um, we're still figuring that out. I think we're going to be figuring that out for a long time to come. Um, we often call that the um, world of psychology. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things that my, my daughter um, reminded me of, she's taking Greek, <clears throat> but the Greek word for the, the, the root word in psychology from the Greek um, really means soul. And I think some of the laments that I have heard from faithful psychologists is that we've all too often reduced um, psychological problems to simply chemical imbalances. Mm-hmm. Now, are they chemical imbalances? Absolutely. We, we know that for, for a fact. Mm-hmm. But when we also understand that we're living in a broken world that's broken by sin, um, and some of the brokenness that happens is those chemical imbalances. And it happens also in our other parts of our body, right? Um, <clears throat> we need to understand that 
what does God and Jesus Christ want? He wants those things to be healed. And that those chemical imbalances are not part of his plan. Um, he would rather have us healed. Mm-hmm. And so I think the church and people of prayer, um, well, the church is our people of prayer. Yeah. Um, I think we need to understand that people who are suffering from mental illness need to be held up in prayer and that we need to have mercy upon them just as Jesus Christ did mm-hmm. and to bring about healing in, in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the phrases that I've heard you use mm-hmm. in your preaching that I, mm-hmm. I really like is this phrase, prayer and the people of God. Mm-hmm. Prayer is this realization that that we need mm-hmm. God to step in. Yep. And the people of God is this realization that, A, we can surround each other and support, but also that, that God raises up people to different callings. And, and some of those callings are to be psychologists yes. and clinicians, and, and they have a part to play. And so it's not one or the other. It's no. those two things in tandem together, a parallel track for the spirit, the mind, the body, you know, all of this more holistic approach to yes it it needs to be it's a mind body and soul aspect that we need to to understand and we need to grasp onto you know god bless the mental health practitioners that help people with this there is also a spiritual aspect of this that needs to be lifted up in in somebody's healing as well absolutely you know that's something that We'll probably all be struggling with for years and years and years of how how do we how do we surround and care for folks who are are struggling with yep. that. Yep, yep. It it will it it really will. And this again becomes a very complex issue that often becomes very pejorative as well. Um, and we need to be very careful about not shaming people when it comes to mental illness. So we've seen this this story is so layered, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Mark moves at this fast pace, but every story with all these layers of detail mm-hmm. give us this ever brightening, fuller picture of, of who Jesus is. Mike, what if you had to say one thing, what is this story about? This story is about Jesus breaking into the world and bringing healing and hope back to the world. That's what I'm going to say about this story. Mm -hmm. What we need to understand within every gospel, I think it's even more clear in Mark's gospel, is how central the cross is to Jesus' ministry. So we cannot give, we, we, we cannot have Jesus without the cross. And we need to just hold that up and, and, and proclaim that. That's going to be a major change that we're going to see in Mark's gospel later on, where there is, um, after the transfiguration, Jesus is going to be marching straight to the cross. Mm-hmm. And, and we're, we're going to, realize that all of Mark's gospel is centered on that particular event and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This story 
helps us understand the cross and what Jesus Christ has done for every single person here on this earth. We've, we've pulled out these two themes of, of authority and suffering, and I think the cross is sort of the place where those two come together. Yes. Where Jesus' authority over not just life, but also death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his suffering that he calls us into a new life with him. And so we're, we're, gonna, we're kind of marching towards that culmination and that, that place where, where Jesus is going to finally uh, fully reveal who he is in his death and resurrection. I don't want you to miss any of that. And so what I hope that you will do is that you will like and subscribe so that you can stay up to date with all of the, the new podcasts that we are going to be putting out in the weeks and months to come. I hope that uh, you continue to listen. If you have questions about Hope Lutheran Church, please visit our website at fargohope.org. There's lots of stuff for you to explore there. Can't wait to have you back next week. And in the meantime, stay deeply rooted. <laughs>